Hey, good evening, everybody. Joe Beningo back with you again, the O the Pain podcast. It is Monday. It is July 11th. It is 2022 in the Joe Beningo O the Pain podcast, of course, brought to you by the Hackensack Brewing Company, by Anita Discount Tire, and by KZ Sports Marketing. Well, I'm going to start out by channeling my inner Joey and Clark. Because Joey and Clark all year, even when the Mets have had a, had a 10-game lead in the division, was freaking out that somehow, some way, they would blow it. Well, here we are now, July 11th, and the Mets sit a game and a half, two games in a loss column, ahead of the just unconscious Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Mets split a four-game series with the Marlins over the weekend. They were beaten 2-0 yesterday in 10 innings by Sandy Alcantara and the Miami Marlins. Uh, the Mets sit 20 games over 500. As I mentioned, they're a game and a half ahead now in the division, two in the loss column. And tonight starts a critical three-game series against the Atlanta Braves. I know it's only July 11th. I know they still got 15 games left to play with Atlanta. But this is a monster series. And just think about this, Mets fans. Think about this. If the Mets get swept in this series, they're going to be out of first place. If they lose three games in this series, they will be in second place when they leave Atlanta uh, after their game Wednesday afternoon. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know how you feel, but I know I'm sure my buddy Joey and Clark feels this way. If they fall out of first place, I don't know if they're ever getting back into first place this year. I have to say that I'm concerned about that. You have to be. Atlanta's been unbelievable. They're the defending world champions. Ronald Acuna's back. Um, I'm, I'm nervous. I really am. Now, the pitching matchup tonight, Max Scherzer's on the mound tonight in a monster game. Had a terrific game and has come back from the injury last week when he went six, six shutout innings in a game that they eventually lost to the crummy Cincinnati Reds. Not that it was Scherzer's fault that they did. But he'll go up against the ace of the Braves tonight, Max Fried. This is a game the Mets have to have. I'm telling you right now. To me, tonight's game is a must-win game. You got your best pitcher on the mound. You know, if you win tonight, you assure yourself that you will not leave Atlanta out of first place. The only way to leave Atlanta out of first place is to get swept, and you can you can take care of that tonight with a victory. But they need a win tonight. They need They need to win this series. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, for you to feel a lot better about the state of the Mets right now, with the Braves breathing down their neck, in spite of being 20 games over 500 on July 11th, they need to win this series against the Braves. I mean, I, I don't see any other way to say it. Now you got Max Free, uh, excuse me, Max Scherzer for the Mets pitching tonight. Uh, I believe it's David Peterson's pitching game two tomorrow, and then the third game is Chris Bassett on Wednesday afternoon. They need to win two out of three, and right now. You know, outside of the starting pitching, the starting pitching has been pretty good. Another tremendous performance yesterday by Taquan Walker. He pitched seven shutout innings, four straight games now where Walker has gone at least seven innings. His ERA is down to 2.63. He's pitching really, really top-flight baseball right now. Didn't help him yesterday because the Mets can't hit. Now, I know Alcantara is one of the best pitchers in baseball, but the Mets aren't hitting right now. I mean, you take a look at this lineup. And especially when Alonzo is not hitting. And let's be honest, Pete has really not hit for a couple weeks now. He had that four-hit game uh, last week. I guess it was in Cincinnati. 
He had the uh, finally got off the home run snide. He'd gone, what, nine, ten games without a home run, without an RBI. Finally, on Saturday, hit a solo home run in that uh, comeback win when they scored those two crazy runs thanks to, uh, you know, lousy defense by Miami on Saturday that basically gifted them that win on uh, the day they retired. Keith Hernandez is number 17, basically handed them that win. Um, you know, Alonzo hit a home run in that game. is 23rd of the year. He's got 23 and 70. He's on his way to the All-Star game, too, as are Edwin Diaz, Jeff, o- uh, Jeff O'Neill, Jeff McNeil, and uh, Starling Marte. They're all going to go to the All-Star game uh, next week in L.A. But, uh, you know, when Alonzo's not hitting, boy, that, that lineup looks even worse. And once you get past the top four or five guys in this lineup, boy, oh, boy. Eduardo Escobar, let's be honest, outside of a, a stretch here or there, he's been terrible. J.D. Davis, he had a big game last week in that five RBI game. I guess it was against Miami in that 10 nothing win. Outside of that game, he's done. he's been terrible. The D.H. position, you know, which I thought was going to be a big help to the Mets this year, you might as well have the pitcher hitting the way the D.H. position has been for the Mets. It has not been very good. You get nothing out of Escobar. You're getting nothing out of J.D. Davis. James McCann, you were getting absolutely nothing out of him. He did hit that three-run home run the other day in that same game. Davis had the big game against Miami, but he got hurt. He got hurt on that play at the plate uh, two days ago. So he's, who knows how long he's going to be out for. Patrick Mazik is uh, back up again. You know, Nito actually has played better than McCann as far as I'm concerned. I know he made that error yesterday that, you know, wound up really costing him the game in the 10th inning. But Nito's been good. He's had some big hits for him. He hit that double to start the game-winning rally on Saturday. Picked off a runner on second base as well in that game in the extra innings that really helped him. So Nito's actually probably played better than McCann. But you look at you look at that lower part of the order right now, specifically Escobar, Davis, when McCann was in there, throw him in. You get nothing out of that. I mean, you really are. It's like a black hole down there. They get nothing out of him. And when Alonzo's not hitting, forget it. And what about Lindor? Oh, my God. I mean, I know he's hit a couple home runs recently. I understand the last few games hit a couple home runs over the weekend and all that. But boy, oh, boy. You know, we saw it again yesterday. Two guys on. The tying runs on base. Bottom of the 10th inning. Chance to do some damage. Maybe pull another one out of their rear end. And Lindor strikes out. I mean, I I still got – look, he's a he's an okay player. He's a much better player, having a much better year than he had last year. Look, he's got 60 RBIs so far this year. He had 63 all of last year. He's been better. But, I mean, do you really feel good about Francisco Lindor getting a big hit in a big spot? Because I know I don't. I really don't. I, I don't. And now you got Marte out. I mean, hopefully Marte will be back hopefully tonight. I don't know what the story is he – he had a groin injury, had to leave the game the other day, uh, did not play yesterday in the in the loss yesterday afternoon to the Marlins. So, you know, hopefully Marte will be back sooner than later. But I got, I'm got i worried. I, uh, you got to be. The bullpen has been terrible. I mean, outside of Edwin Diaz, is there really anybody that you have confidence right now in the Met bullpen? Adovino? Really? Seth Lugo? Really? Drew Smith? Really? I mean, tell me the guy. Tell me the guy, and I keep hearing, oh, the Mets miss Trevor May. Yeah, they miss his arm. They miss a body there, but he's not any good either. So you got to be worried about the state of the Met offense right now. And like I said, when Alonzo's not hitting, it looks even worse because he's really the only legitimate power bat they have in the lineup. 
That's it. So I don't know what to say. This is a monster series. And, and, and I know DeGrom looks like he's coming back. He's going to pitch down in St. Lucie again, another rehab start or whatever he's doing. I guess eventually, is it Bing up the next? Is that where he's going? He's going up to the Rumble Ponies? Is that where he's going? I think he is. To the Rumble Ponies this week or wherever he's going. But it looks like DeGrom's going to be back. Scherzer, obviously, is back pitching again. Uh, tonight, they need Max Scherzer to be brilliant tonight. Because I really believe the Mets absolutely have to win this game. They have to win this series. And I'm telling you right now, and I'll say it one more time, if they fall out of first place, remember, if they get swept in this series, they're going to be a second-place team when they leave Atlanta. If they fall out of first place, I don't know if they're ever getting back. So a monster. I, I Again, I know it's July 11th. I know there's 15 games left with the Braves. But this is a monster series uh, starting in Atlanta tonight for the Mets. The great Max Scherzer against Atlanta's best pitcher, Max Fried. Uh, really a appointment game tonight if you're a Met fan. All right, Joe Beningo with the Yoda Payne podcast. Let's get our responses in here. Of course, we always start out with the great Hackensack Brewing Company. And you know the deal on the Hackensack Brewing Company. Uh, right off the GW Bridge, right off Route 4 in, in uh, Hackensack. You know, the tap room is open 4.30 to 10 Monday through Friday, 2 to 10 Saturday, 12 to 8 p.m. Sunday, 78 Johnson Avenue, Hackensack, New Jersey, right behind the tombstones. No tombstone for me yet, as I always say, but I'm sure it's coming soon. Uh, we will be doing our next live podcast, July 29th, at the Brewing Company. She will have some surprises, working on some a uh, special guest for us for that night. So uh, you want to check that out. The uh, Hackensack Brewing Company coming up on July 29th. And uh, we'll be there. Should be uh, a lot of fun. Also, of course, when we bring in my buddy, uh, talk about Kenny Zor and the uh, KZ Sports Marketing. You know, we know the deal with Kenny. Great guy. Uh, does Helps me out a lot here on the Yoda Payne Podcast. If you're looking to secure your favorite athlete or celebrity for any event, it could be a charity function, corporate golf outing, in-store autograph appearance. Give give my good buddy Zor, Kenny Zor from KZ Sports Marketing a call. You can call him directly or text him on his cell phone, 516-996-7616. Visit kzsportsmarketing.com. And, of course, coming up on Monday, August 8th, is the Big Marty Lions golf outing. I'll be there. My wife will be there. My daughter, Erin, who does such a great job running this podcast, uh, she'll be there as well. So you want to check it out. We're probably going to be doing, as my wife's laying down right now, probably be doing, I had to get up early this morning because my daughter was in from Alabama and had to drive it to the airport. She had a 7.30 flight to go back to uh, to uh, Bama. So uh, we're up a little earlier than normal. Not that we're not up early every morning anyway, but nevertheless, thanks to our lovely cats, uh, my, my wonderful cat, Iggy. But uh, nevertheless, he gets us up every morning about 4, 4.30. But we got even up even earlier today. So my wife's actually lying down, but uh, still probably play golf at some point this afternoon. <laughs> but uh, with that, with all that said, August 8th, the Marty Lions golf outing uh, out on Long Island. Not sure, I forget again, is it Old Westbury? I believe it's the Old Westbury Country Club. And we will probably, uh, before the uh, golf starts, probably be doing a special podcast from that golf outing on Monday, August 8th. So that's something that uh, you want to check out as well. All right, Beningo with the Oda Payne podcast. Now, the Yankees, the Yankees had an interesting weekend. I mean, they beat up the Red Sox the first two games of the series in Fenway. 
And and look, I mean, are these big games for the Yankees when you got a 14, 15 game lead in your division? You know, probably not. But I thought they were the, the Red Sox kind of made a little statement if to nobody else but themselves by coming back and on Saturday and Sunday night winning two games against the Yankees in comeback fashion. Remember, they were down 5-3 on Saturday night, going to the bottom of the 10th, came up with three uh, three runs to win that game. And then yesterday, they were down 6-2 to the Yankees and then came back against Jam- uh, Jamison Tyon and wound up winning that game 11-6 to in, uh, in spite of home runs yesterday by Giancarlo Stanton and uh, Matt Carpenter. So um, uh, Red Sox come back and uh, at least uh, give themselves a little hope going forward. Uh, as they took those last two, they split that four-game series with the Yankees at Fenway. Yankees off today. Uh, then they go to Cincinnati uh, to play the uh, Cincinnati Reds, uh, four big games there. So, uh, But the Yankees, of course, sitting very pretty. They got a 14-game lead in their division. I don't see any way they're going to wind up losing this division. But how good is the American League East? You know, we talked about this last week, and this just shows you how good the Yankees are. They got a 14-game lead in their division where everybody else in the division not named the Baltimore Orioles. And by the way, the Orioles have now won eight straight games. Can you believe it? And they're only one game under 500. That's how good the AL East is. But everybody not named Baltimore in the AL East would make the playoffs right now. And even, even the way the Orioles are playing, they're starting to put themselves back into the, into the uh, wild card uh, situation. But the Red Sox, the Rays, and the Jays would all make the playoffs today if the season ended. That's how good the American League East is. And now you got the Orioles sitting just one game under 500 and uh, having won eight consecutive games. So the American League East are really uh, rocking and rolling. And uh, as I said, the Yankees, even in spite of losing these last two to Boston, they split that four-game series. And, um, you know, they head to Cincinnati after a day off today. But, you know, as good as the Yankees have been, man, uh, it is not going to be that easy in the playoffs. You know, the Red Sox are going to be tough if they play them. Obviously, Houston will be tough. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, But the Yankees will win the division. I don't think there's any question about it. Now, we mentioned uh, the four Mets going to the All-Star game. Alonzo, Edwin Diaz, uh, Jeff McNeil, and Starling Marte. The Yankees will be sending six to the All-Star game next week. Now, you know, Judge and Gene Carlo have already been voted in, but four other Yankees going as well. Uh, uh, Holmes is going, their relief pitcher who's had a terrific year. Obviously, Nesta Cortez, Garrett Cole, and um, who the other guy that I'm missing that's going to the All-Star game as well? There's one other Yankee, and it's escaping me right now. Oh, their catcher, Trevino. How, how good a year has he had? I mean, he's going to the all He Really, you think the Yankee fans miss Gary Sanchez with the year Jose Trevino has had? I don't think so. Now, he's been really, really good. So the Yankees will have more uh, as uh, nobody will have more all-star uh, players in the all-star game this uh, next week than the Yankees with six, six for the Yankees, four for the Mets. And, uh, you know, you know, if you, you get excited about the all-star game, I don't. It's nowhere near to what it used to be. But uh, when I was growing up, but nevertheless, uh, six Yankees, four Mets going to the all-star game in L.A., next weekend. Now, it was a big weekend for uh, at, at City Field because on Saturday, they the long overdue retirement of Keith Hernandez is number 17. And there's no doubt that Keith belongs up there. But you know what? 
it's time now that we really start to look at Keith Hernandez going to Cooperstown. Isn't it time? And to me, there's really two things that have kind of, you know, kept Keith out of Cooperstown. Number one is that he's a first baseman who was really not a slugger. I mean, you look at all the first basemen in the Hall of Fame, you know, whether it's Lou Gehrig, whether it's Jimmy Fox, whether it's Willie McCovey, whether it's, uh, you know, Harmon Killebrew, you know, Jim Tomei. I mean, you go you go right on down the line, you know, to all uh, the guys, all the first basemen that are in the Hall of Fame in, in Cooperstown in baseball. And pretty much every one of them was a big slugger. And really, pretty much every one of them was a big slugger. Poppy Ortiz, I mean, you know, we could go right on down the line with these guys. No doubt about that. Big home run hitters, first baseman. That's not what Keith Hernandez is. But to me, the fact that he was the greatest defensive first baseman that ever lived, you know, that won 11 gold gloves, took defense at first base to a different level. I mean, he played first base defensively like Ozzie Smith played shortstop or Omar Vizquel played shortstop or Brooks Robinson played third base or Greg Nettles played third base defensively. That's the level that Hernandez took defense to uh, at first base, 11 gold gloves to me that, especially in the analytical world that we live in now in baseball, where, you know, it actually means something defensively. I mean, Hernandez has got to be there. 297 lifetime hitter two uh, 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 an integral part, if not the lead player on two world championship teams with the 82 Cardinals and the 86 Mets. Uh, we could go right on down the line, uh, a tremendous clutch hitter, Great RBI man, as I mentioned, 297 lifetime average. Now, I think the other thing that hurts, so I mentioned two things. One, the fact that he's not a home run hitter as a first baseman. But the other, I think, was the uh, the cocaine, the drug trials. What happened to him, you know, being part of that whole deal uh, that happened in Pitts, you know, the uh, Pittsburgh drug trials, as they called it. Dave Parker was involved, Lonnie Smith, a couple other guys. Dale Barrow was involved in all of that. And I think that's the reason Hernandez got traded from the Cardinals to the Mets. I really do. But look, whatever the reason, thank God that the Mets got him. But it's time to really look at Keith Hernandez being in the Hall of Fame. And I will say this too. If you're going to put Keith in, and God knows you should, then you got to put Don Mattingly in. And I thought it was fitting that Don Mattingly was at City Field for the ceremony, of course, because they're playing the Marlins and he's managing the Marlins. And I thought it was very fitting that Mattingly uh, was there because you know, if you uh, were a, a New York baseball fan in the 80s, man, you had Don Mattingly in the Bronx and you had Keith Hernandez in Queens, uh, two of the premier first basemen that there's ever been, certainly in New York. And, you know, Mattingly for about a about a four or five year period, Don Mattingly was probably the best player in baseball. That's how good he was. Now, he was probably a better hitter than Hernandez. More power, you know, hit more home runs. Probably a better overall hitter than Keith was. You know, won that MVP. Did he win the MVP? Well, I think Mattingly won the MVP one year, didn't he? I think he had one MVP. So did Keith. Keith won that MVP in 1979. He was the co-MVP with Willie Stargell of the Pirates. But I think her, uh, Mattingly was a better hitter. Keith, a, a better defensive player, although Mattingly was... You know, if Keith was number one defensively, then Don Mattingly was 1A. That's how good he was. So I think both, it would only be fitting if both Keith Hernandez and Don Mattingly got in the Hall of Fame at the same time. And let's hope that at some point soon, 
that the, the Veterans Committee, whatever they call that now, puts these guys in and they should go in together. And like I said, I thought it was it was very cool that uh, Mattingly was there, uh, you know, as the uh, Marlin manager playing uh, against the Mets to be there for the ceremony. I wonder if the Mets planned that on purpose. Maybe they did. And, of course, Mattingly's number 23 is already retired with the Yankees, and now Hernandez's number 17 is retired with the Mets. And, and, and let me say this, too, when we talk about, you know, the retired numbers and all this. Look, I love what the Mets are doing now, really embracing their history. You know, now you got, obviously, you got the two managers up there and Stengel and Hodges, and Gill's finally going to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Long overdue in Cooperstown, he's going to go in, I guess, next week. The ceremony next week, two weeks from now, whatever it is, the week after the All-Star game, I guess. Maybe it's this weekend. I'm not sure. But but uh, Hodges will be going into the Hall of Fame. And, of course, the players, Seaver, Piazza, Jerry Kuzman, and now Keith Hernandez. But you got to, and I'm going to emphasize this point again, and I understand the reasoning, you know, that the Mets, you know, maybe have avoided this, but Stevie Cohen's running the show now. It's time to put Doc Gooden's number 16 and Daryl Strawberry's number 18 up in the rafters there with the other retired numbers. Because you cannot minimize, as important as Keith Hernandez was to those teams in the 80s, and there's no denying the greatness and no denying, you know, probably the greatest trade in Met history, Keith Hernandez for Rick Olmsby and Neil Allen. It changed, really changed everything. But you got to put, you cannot look at the 1980s Mets without, you know, uh, addressing and without, uh, uh, you know, championing, championing, championing. I, I'm not saying the word right. Championing. I can't say because I was like up too early today, but you know the word, right? <laughs> without getting Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry getting their numbers retired. And eventually Gary Carter should go up there, his number eight, too. But I would put Doc and Daryl up next because they're still alive. You know, you could put Gary Carter up anytime. You know, unfortunately, he's passed away a couple of years ago. I want to see Daryl and Doc go up there while they can still, you know, uh, be alive to see it. And the Mets have to forget how, you know, what happened. We all understand what happened with Doc. We all understand what happened with Daryl, okay? Daryl looks like he's really straightened his life out now. He's a minister, lives out in St. Louis. You know, Doc still looks like he has issues. But there is no minimizing what these guys meant to that franchise and to the Mets of the 80s. And I've said this repeatedly over and over again. As a Mets fan since day one, I've been fortunate enough to see every bit of the history of New York Mets. I was nine years old in 1962 when I made the fateful decision that this was going to be my baseball team. And, you know, I don't know if it was a great decision, but (laughs) nevertheless, there hasn't been a lot of winning. But nevertheless, that's my team. You have got to put those guys up in the rafters. There was never, Shea Stadium was never as electric as it was when Doc Gooden was pitching in 1984, 1985, 1986. And even after the electric years of 84 and 85, specifically 85, when Doc went out to the mound, you felt the Mets were going to win. He won. You, he won. He won 153 games as a Met. I don't know how many was it. He was like 70 or 80 games over 500. You know, 
even though he wasn't that same guy, still, when he pitched for the Mets in 87, 88, 89, 90, you still felt like the Mets were going to go out there and win the baseball game if Doc was on the mound. That's how good he was. He knew how to win. Maybe the ERA wasn't, you know, the minuscule 1.53 that it was in 1985. You know, maybe he wasn't winning 24 games like he did in 1985, but the Mets were winning. When Doc went out to the mound, the Mets won. And Doc knew how to win. And Shea Stadium was a buzz when he was on the mound. And we understand what happened. We understand the pitfalls of the drugs and all that Doc got involved in. But that number 16 has got to be in the rafters. I'm sorry. And it's got to be done while he's still on this earth. And the same thing with Daryl Strawberry. That number 18, we all know what Daryl meant to this franchise. You know, as great as it is, you know, you don't want to miss a Peter Lonzo at bat. You never wanted to miss a Daryl Strawberry at bat. You know, when Daryl was coming up, whether you had to go take a pee, whether you had to, you know, go get yourself a sandwich, go have to pour yourself a drink, you didn't do it when Daryl was at the plate. You didn't miss a strawberry at bat because he could hit one to the moon at any time. And he's still the all-time Met leader in home runs, although Peter Alonzo is going to probably eclipse that sooner, very, very soon. But he still is. I think it's 257 that he hit as a Met. And again, it didn't end the way we wanted it. Should have never left the Mets after that 1990 season. You know, Frank Cashin and that ridiculous, I still, I, how much I can't stand Frank Cashin. I know he built that championship team, but he destroyed, he couldn't wait to destroy it either. So I got a lot of issues with Cashin. And when he made that statement at the time, that, that and at the time it was a big deal that Daryl Strawberry wasn't a $5 million a year player, which now translates to not a $20 million a year player. But when he made that comment in 1989, 1990, whenever he did cash in now 30 plus years ago, that was it. What a mistake that was. Strawberry should have never left the Mets. The Mets should have re-signed them, should have never let them go to the Dodgers and all of that. But nevertheless, the bottom line is, you know, it's time now to really honor the greatest, the greatest run ever of Mets baseball. And that is 1984 to 1990. And now that Hernandez is up there, you got to put Doc Gooden up there. You got to put Daryl Strawberry up there. And you got to put Gary Carter up there. And then eventually, you put David Wright up there. He'll be number five for David Wright. He'll be up there at one point as well down the road. But now that you got Keith up there, now it's time. Now it's freaking time to retire Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden's number. And you want to do it while they're still alive to see it. And you know what? They should do it as a dual ceremony. They should put both of them in at the same time. Just like Hernandez and Mattingly should go in the Hall of Fame at the same time, the two great New York first basemen of the 80s, the two icons they were, you got to put Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden, Doc Gooden, up in the rafters at City Field on the same day as well. That's the way to do it. And then eventually Gary Carter goes up there, and then eventually David Wright goes up there. Got to get it done. Stevie Cohen, get it freaking done. All right. I need a tire. You know I need a tire. My son Johnny, his great boss Ari, should be running the uh, the Jets, maybe the country. My good, His great boss Ari, he, I'm sure Ari hears me say that, we could laugh about it. You need work done on your car? You need tires? Anything like that? Go see Ari and Johnny at, at a need a discount tire. They'll take care of you. 
Tell them I sent you Westwood Avenue, Rivervale, New Jersey. You absolutely do not want to miss it. Go there, get the work done on your car, and uh, they'll take care of you. Tell them Beningo sent you. Now, the final major coming up this week, this is it. Like after the British Open, the Open Championship, don't say British, the Open Championship is open, is done. Oh, it's open, it is open. It's done. To me, the golf season is over. You know, give me a call. Forget the stupid FedEx Cup. That's a joke. Please, man-made joke. Give me a break. After the Open Championship's over, you know, wake me up at Kapalua in January when the PGA Tour season, is, as far as I'm concerned, starts again. I am very psyched for the Open. It's it's the best. You get up in the morning. I'll be up Thursday morning. Uh, as soon as I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, we'll be watching golf. And how good is that? So uh, Tiger's going to play. In fact, I, he did a practice round, I believe, yesterday. Walked the uh, walked the 18, co- uh, 18 holes at St. Andrews with JT, Justin Thomas. Remember, Tigers won there a couple times in the British Open at St. Andrews. Should be great. Very excited. Uh, you saw the Scottish Open this past week. Xander Shoffley wound up winning that in the precursor to the Open Championship. I may be going with Jordan Spieth here. You always got to look at Scotty Scheffler. You always got to look at guys like Cam Smith, Justin Thomas, you know, guys like that that uh, have really been playing well. Shoffley's been red hot now. So uh, it should be very, very interesting. Very excited. It's going to be great to see Tiger playing. I guess all the live guys will be in this as well. So it should be great. Pumped up. I don't know what's better. The Masters of the Open Championship, it's very close. But we'll be all up together at about 4.30 in the morning on Thursday getting ready for the Open Championship. And uh, I'm picking Jordan Spieth. Why not? All right, everybody have a great week. We'll be back Friday. We'll be starting our interviews again following ne- uh, uh, next Monday. Uh, enjoy your your uh, July weekend. All the love, everybody. <laughs>